Welcome. You are listening to Audio from the Table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.com. Hey, Table Podcast listeners, Brett here, grace and peace. So good to be back with you all after a week off from the podcast. So grateful to uh, Jesse for jumping in and uh, giving us just a wonderful message last week. And uh, for those who don't know, he actually oversees our podcast, does all the editing and uh, the sound work and and just everything to get this going. So um, he's not only a good preacher... He's, uh, he's like good with all things creative and technical and uh, just a, a huge um, just blessing at, at the table. So, all right, we are in, let's see, part three in our series titled Easter Tide. This is not the end. And uh, we're just kind of continuing to follow the church calendar this Easter season with its, you know, prescribed scriptures and such, uh, which I like, I kind of enjoy. It's, it's, um, it's nice to almost to have the constraint of like, okay, here's the gospel reading for the week. This is what you're going to preach on. And uh, I think sometimes it kind of takes me into new places that I might not choose otherwise. So I know, um, you know, for many of us growing up, Easter was very much a one day thing. Uh, but for most of the the global church, Easter is an entire season, which makes sense, right? Like it's a bit strange to have 40 days of Lent complete with prayer and fasting and you know, spiritual engagement. And then you come to Easter and it's like, okay, well, that was a day. All right, over. Yeah, back to the grind. And so instead, um, Eastertide, the season of Easter is also a 40 day time to, that's sort of the opposite, a time to celebrate, a time to relax, a time to enjoy um, the fact that Christ has risen. So in this series, we'll be looking at a number of uh, what we might call post-resurrection stories of Jesus. Um, to just notice how they're not the end of the story. Resurrection is not the end of the story. It's not the finish line. Uh, in so many ways, it's really a starting line um, for the Christian story and for us as we we seek to follow Christ. So in light of that, the title of my message this third Sunday of Eastertide is Breathe. Breathe. Our primary text is John uh, chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. And just to set the stage a little bit, uh, this story comes after Christ's resurrection, um, though at this point he has only appeared to a few of the disciples, not quite all of them yet. So John 20, starting in verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were all gathered together um, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there are several wonderfully weird moments occurring in this short passage. 
Uh, I mean, we could talk about Jesus suddenly, you know, appearing among them. Um, but I want to focus on the moment of the breathing. Um, this next week, we'll actually get into uh, another weird moment that's to come. Uh, but this week, I want to focus on this moment of the breathing. You probably noticed that part. Uh, did you, how did you, like, how did it strike you? Did you find it a little bit unsettling or just strange? Like, okay. Um, you know, I'm imagining if, uh, one night at the table before I preached, I was like invited everyone out of their chairs. Like, come on, everybody, everyone huddle, huddle around me, get around, get closer, closer. And then I said, okay, are you ready? And everyone looks at me like, uh, sh- sure. And then I said, okay, here we go. <sighs> I just started breathing on everyone. Like, I just, I'm I'm trying to imagine the reactions, like, okay, man, (laughs) this is the weirdest church service I've ever been to, (laughs) because uh, I think you'll agree, you know, breathing on others, this isn't really a cultural thing we do, and uh, just to be clear, it was not a cultural thing that they did either. So like, I, I, I'm not going to say, well, if only you understood, you know, first century Jewish culture, you'd see this was normal. Uh, they always greeted one another like this. No, <laughs> no, this was not an everyday thing. So, you know, it kind of begs the question, what is going on here? What on earth is the meaning of this moment for Jesus and for them? Well, throughout the scriptures, the breath, um, unlike for us, um, the, the breath has deep associations actually with the spirit of God. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruah, ruah, which you can't even say without being kind of breathy, you know, ruah. And like many words, it, it does not mean just one thing. Um, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, ruah means breath, but ruah also means wind and it means spirit. So whereas we have like three different words for these things, uh, they just had one. It's all the same. Ruah, ruah, breath, wind, spirit. And if we go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter two, uh, which is naming uh, or kind of telling the story of, of creation, there's a very key moment of ruah. At beginning in verse four, it says this. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. No plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. And there was um, no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. So I'm going to pause there. You can, you can hear that, that, um, you know, God forms the Adamah, the human one. But at this point, it's, it's, it's an it. It's like a, a lifeless shell. It has the outer form of a human being. If you looked at it and saw it, you would say, oh, that looks like a human being. But it's not yet um, alive. It has no spirit. So what does God do? Verse 7, the Lord God forms a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, the ruah of life. And the man became a living being. Notice like what a mystery um, and, and what a spiritual experience life is here, right? We only have awareness, consciousness, breath when God breathes into us and says, 
live. Sometimes uh, people feel as though they are not connected to God. Like they just say, God's so distant from me. I can't even feel God. Well, think of it like this. Are you breathing? Then already it has begun in you. Already God's presence, a, a certain grace has kissed you. But as we'll see, it's, that's really only the beginning. So fast forward a few thousand years, we're back um, into John 20. The disciples are gathered in this room. They've journeyed with Jesus for three years. They know him as well as anyone. They've seen him do miracles. They've heard, I mean, they've heard every sermon he's preached. And at this point, I mean, they have, they know it all. They have seen it all. They've heard it all. And yet, if Jesus said, okay, get out there and do it, you know, do what I did. Yet, yet about the best they could do would be a sort of clunky imitation of Jesus. <laughs> like trying to, you know, kind of white knuckle it and do what he did as, as best they could, even though they're like second rate, you know. And I think in ways, this is how we often think of the Christian life. Like, I'm called to do a somewhat poor imitation of Jesus. I'm called to mimic Jesus. And, I mean, you know, at, at some level there is some truth in that. But the way we imagine it is often a kind of shallow, we might even use the metaphor of like external, kind of a, a clunky thing. Like, where I'm trying to be what I clearly am not. Uh, for example, my wife... Maggie teaches uh, voice lessons. So I'm around a lot of uh, young people who are learning to sing. And uh, most of them, like, they have really nice voices. Uh, you know, not, not all, but, but most. <laughs> and uh, what I've noticed, though, is even if they haven't, like, a nice voice, they're, in the beginning, they're just not comfortable. They're not comfortable singing in their own voice. They, they haven't, you might even say, found their own voice. So what do they do? They mimic someone else. I've noticed um, the girls, they often mimic Adele. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of Adele impersonations going on in my music room. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, honestly, it's nice. Like, it doesn't sound bad. They, they've got a nice voice and they can do a decent Adele impression. But, I mean, you can tell, though... When they're faking it, you know, like it's just, it's not, it doesn't sound authentic. It's, it's like not them. It's, it's not coming from within, so to speak, right? They're, they're just not yet comfortable with their own voice. It's, it's an external outward. It's an imitation. And, and I believe this is why Jesus does not, uh, or did not enter that room, look at the disciples and say, peace be with you, friends, imitate me mimic my life. Get out there, guys. Go do it. Bring the kingdom. No, what does he do? He breathes on them. He breathes on them. And, and what does he say? Verse 22, receive the Holy Spirit. And friends, just as God in the garden breathed into that first human being, and just as, as Jesus um, breathed into those first disciples, so Christ now breathes the Spirit of God upon you and me. So what, is, what does this mean for us, though? Like for our own moment, our, our own lives. I think um, one takeaway would be, you know, don't, don't imitate Christ. Uh, think more in terms of 
becoming Christ. Uh, what, What do I mean? Allow God's spirit to infuse every cell of your body and then simply live the life God has given you to live. And and what you'll find is that you are fully yourself and fully Christ all at the same time. We, We might say that the more infused by the Holy Spirit I am, the more perfectly myself and Christ I become. Now, how could that be? Like, how could it be that the more I'm like like me, I'm becoming and the more true to me, so to speak. And yet at the same time, I'm becoming, we would think like someone else, more like Christ or more like God. How could this be? Well, it's because God as father, son, spirit, as your divine source, your creator, remember Genesis two, um, is, is, is in essence, your, um, your beginning and your end and your sustainer. He is the the very ground of everything about you. And so um, God's presence, um, divinity, and your humanity are not like opposites, are not um, oil and water that just can't come together without, you know, violence happening to one or the other or changing in some way. Um, No, they're like you're, you're, it's like salt in the sea. It's like a hand in a glove. It's made for one another, right? This is why um, it's you, in essence, becoming who you were always meant to become. God is breathing upon you. Jesus breathes on you and you become a receptacle for the Holy Spirit. You know, coming back to the Adele analogy, a great artist is um, in essence someone deeply attuned themselves to the spirit, and this isn't just um, you know like like uh, vocalists or something. This can apply to all sorts of art. I've talked about this before. How you know writers or poets, um, painters, like there's you know there's something that like the cr- creativity itself is attuning in to the more. You know, it's, it's a tuning in. It's like you, you know, when you get in that creative mode, it's like you're channeling something beyond yourself, right? Kind of in a way, that's sort of what I'm talking about. I think that's what it is to, it's like a, maybe one example of, of receiving the spirit. So in the same way, someone like sort of clunkily, you know, imitates Adele, like that's not what they should be doing. They need to like learn what she does, you know, like the way she channels, it's that rawness and that vulnerability and that tuning in to the spirit. And then it just comes out of her as this, this moment of beauty and soul that we just connect with. Right. And like, that's what people learning to sing, like, that's what they need to do. Don't imitate Adele, like her tonal quality, um, become a channel for the spirit of God. Similarly, um, you know, what Jesus did not do is invite the disciples to a wooden imitation of him. Hey guys, you know, I I was a carpenter, so you all should be carpenters. Carpentry, that's where it's at. Uh, Or I don't know, I can imagine Jesus saying like, hey, you know, you guys notice I was a really good storyteller. All those parables, they were a big hit. Uh, So you all, you've got to be good storytellers and public speakers too. Otherwise, I mean, how do you think the kingdom's going to expand? That's the way. That's the secret. That's the strategy. That's the form it has to come in. No, no. Jesus breathes on them. And in essence, he, he gives them the same spirit that filled him utterly and uniquely. 
And in church, in the same way, Jesus breathes on you. You too have the ruah, the wind, the breath, the spirit of the living God. So, okay, so what are the implications of this? Uh, I want to get a little bit practical. And these I've kind of already implied, you know, or in a way kind of touched on these, but I, I want to draw them out a bit more. Um, implication number one, you know, imitation of models or mentors or spiritual leaders, um, that, that all, it has its place. But really the way to honor those mentors and people in your life is not so much to like imitate them, but as we talked about with the kind of Adele example, like it's really, it's to take in the good that they've modeled, to take in the way that they've, um, become a receptacle for the spirit. It's to do that because then you can still be you. Um, now by has its place that this still has its place. What I mean is like early in our lives, I think it's probably unavoidable that we somewhat woodenly imitate others. Uh, you know, like my boys, um, they want to learn soccer moves. And so they like watch YouTube videos of, you know, Ronaldo and Messi. And they're like, Oh, I want to learn. I want to do that. You know? Um, or in a Christian context, we have like a mentor or a spiritual leader, someone we look up to and, you know, they have like a certain vibe, like a certain way that they speak. And we suddenly find ourselves kind of speaking like them, you know, or they wear certain clothes. Um, I, I was talking recently, um, just last Sunday, actually with, uh, a friend of mine who recently, or I should say a few years ago, went to a different church and they were, it was kind of a celebrity pastor kind of church. And, um, he said he noticed whenever the um, pastor would wear like a certain t-shirt or like a certain cool pair of boots the next week and, and in the coming weeks and months after that, he noticed those same boots started popping up on the feet of people all throughout the congregation. <laughs> Right. Like this is a perfect example where we tend to imitate in this kind of external clunky way, you know, or maybe they even like pray in a certain way. They they say certain, you know, turns of phrase and things. And so we like imitate them. Okay. You know, again, this, I guess, has its place. It's not like the worst thing, but what should we be moving towards? Um, what are the, the things that they've taught, the ways that they've um, modeled, the good that they've modeled for us? What, what is that? This is where I think the language of um, maybe like virtue is helpful or what in Christianity we call the fruit of the spirit. Like in essence, that's what we need to be um, taking in, right? Uh, love and the joy, the peace that they modeled for us, the patience they modeled for us, the, the courage, the integrity, the kindness, the humility, they modeled these things. And, and this is actually a sign that the spirit of God is within us, that we are more and more and more surrendering to the spirit is that all those things they get in us too. But here's the cool thing that the way they get expressed is still totally unique to us, right? In essence, like the way I love, the way I, I show up and am present and available to others, it just flat out looks different than someone else. Um, like, for example, I think of my sister-in-law, um, Kelly Tilford. And she, if you know her, like she's someone who she loves really well. But the way she loves, like she's extremely... Um, thoughtful, like, like she's going to probably remember your birthday if she knows you. Um, my friends, 
I hate to break it to you. I am not going to remember your birthday. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, and Kelly's going to give you a great gift. And I'm probably going to give you a gift card. <laughs> because it's not that I don't love, you know, but it's just that I'm different. <laughs> I'm just not Kelly Tilford. And Kelly Tilford isn't me. And this is the beautiful part, though. This isn't bad, right? This would be sort of not so good if I was like, oh, I need to be more like Kelly. I got to be Kelly. And, or if Ke- or vice versa. Kelly's like, I just need, you know, I don't like me. I want to be more like Brett. No, 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 no. This is the gift of community. This is the gift of the spirit of God within us. God fills us and we become just like the the perfect uh, are not per- maybe that's a little idealistic, but the just beautiful, mature, wholehearted um, people, but we're like still us. All right, second implication to receive the Holy Spirit, or we might say to surrender more and more to God, or to become like Jesus, will involve transformation. Um, but it's not a violent diminishment to me, it's, it's actually an expansion of my true self. Uh, you know, everything previous to this, you, like one kind of not so good interpretation, like if someone said, what, what was this message about? And you'd say, you know, if you said like, well, you know, I, I just need to be me, you know, or you do you. Uh, yeah, like, yes, but also potentially no, in the sense of like, if, if by that you mean, you know, I don't need to change. Uh, like for example, I think of someone who's kind of a jerk and, but they'll back it up or defend their jerkishness by saying, well, let's just, that's just who I am. Um, okay. No, no, (laughs) this is in essence, right? Change is needed. Transformation is needed, but it's a change of what is false in us. It's a, a withering away of what is untrue. Um, but it's, it's a growth into the good, the beautiful and the true. Uh, I'll close with this example. My daughter Eve is, uh, if you know her, she's great. And, um, she's all about being true to herself and she wants you to be true to yourself. Like you must be you and you must live with integrity. And she just feels this in her bones. And she's like a fierce Enneagram eight and she will fight for you to have the right to be you. And because of this, when she was young, like maybe five or six years old, she was adamantly opposed to baptism because she heard when you go under those baptismal waters, you come up a new creation, transformed, different, like a different person. And she said, "Ugh, no, people do not need to be different. And because of this, she like she told us in no uncertain terms, uh, her little cute five-year-old phrase was, I'm never getting baptized. Uh, though later, later she was. Um, <laughs> but I think this is actually quite perceptive by Eve because I do think it's easy. Like we might kind of laugh at that or like, oh no, of course it doesn't mean that. And yet how easily do we start to imitate people who were like not at all alike and like we do this, right? It's so easy for Christians to become confused about what on earth we're doing. Um, but baptism, Easter, receiving the spirit, this is not all of us pulling a voice lesson Adele and doing some clunky imitation of Jesus. Um, no, it's, this involves a transformation, but it's a falling away of what is false. Uh, that's, and that's what baptism is about. 
right? A letting go of what is twisted and wrong and actually not us. And then it's a growth into exactly who God has created us to be. So friends, this Eastertide, breathe. Breathe in and receive God's Holy Spirit. Breathe out and be transformed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.